November 22nd, 2023. We're continuing in Morena Vuchim. Uh, let's this week uh, pay attention specifically to Chelek Aleph Perek Tet Vav. And why that Perek, why that uh, conversation? Because it relates to the beginning of this week's parashat, parashat Vayese. Beginning of the parasha is, of course, the description of Yaakov's stop at a place that's known as Luz. He renames it. Uh, calls it uh, Bet El, and at that uh, place, uh, the Torah describes this scene which he has a dream about. Right? I'll read to you briefly the Pesukim. Uh, we're reading from Bereshit Perek Kafhet Pasuk Yod Bet and onward. Vayahalom Yaakov dreams. Vihinesulam Musav Arsa Verosho Magia Hashamayma, and behold, there was a Sulam. What's a Sulam? It's generally speaking translated as ladder. I think the more precise translation, no, that's a halom. I think the more precise translation is a ramp. Uh, regardless, yeah, it has a lot of ramifications. It's a different type of ramp. This is a spiral ramp. We'll, we'll talk about this in a moment. We'll, we'll talk about this, the ramification in a moment. Musav Arza, it's, uh, it's situated in some way that it's facing upward excuse me, downward to the ground, or it's, it's rather not situated, it's, it's resting on the ground. It's exactly what Haram Bab's going to talk about that word. And its, its head uh, reaches the heavens. There are angels of God uh, who are ascending, going up, and descending on it. And behold, God is Nitzav Alav. So you have both the word Musav Arsa, and you have the reference to God being Nisav Alav, which of course, anytime you see a reference of that sort, is going to provoke Harambam. Uh, seems to be describing God in some physical, some fit into place and time way. God is situated on it. How do you understand that? You can say his presence is felt. The fact that it says God is Nisav Alav, define the word accordingly as we will, is going to, and of course, in the first Chalik of Harambam's Morein Vuchim, he deals with many words which seem to either anthropomorphize God or uh, what's that? Oh, there's the, that's easier. That's some sort of presence which is felt. Over here, yeah, I mean, listen, you have this word in many places, the Vaityatsev Aimo Sham. But what do those words mean? Also, Harambam will. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. If it's nevoah, we can easily suggest it. Well, it's some sort of imagery. But even within that imagery, how do you understand God? Now, you could, as Onkelus will, will in many circumstances, suggest something along the line of it's a malach, which is representative of God. You could, okay, we'll, we'll deal with it in just a moment or two. But that's really what we'd like to deal with. And again, the critical word that Harambam will start the Perik with, you could even look there for a moment, is nitzav. Or Yatzav, that's what he's going to do. And as, as we've discussed and, and, and understood, many, if not all, of the first chapters of Morena Vuchim really begin in such a fashion. It's a word or two, and delineating and explaining what does that word mean. The trick in Morena Vuchim, at least in my mind, is understanding not only locally how to understand, you know, how to uh, decipher what Harambam's telling you, but the larger implications of that statement. In this chapter, it's very easy because he digresses in the middle of the conversation. He gives a lot more information than just a conversation about words. All right, but that's our plan. That's what I'd like to discuss together with you over the course of this class. Now, in order to introduce it, I'd like to first read, it's on the accompanying sheet, 
It's the English words. It's from this book called Understanding Genesis by Nahum Sarna. Uh, he wrote a book some, some years ago, and it's a, it's a historical analysis of what takes place on many levels in Torah and Sefer Bereshit. I'm not ascribing to everything that he writes, but for matters of this sort, uh, it can oftentimes be very interesting to pay attention to his analysis of uh, different texts and different archaeological findings to color the scene a little bit better. So if you look on the third... Hang tight, hang tight, you'll find out in a second. On page 193, the third paragraph that starts with the dream imagery. So he's going to be commenting on nothing to do with Harambam, but on the dream. Uh, so what does he write? He says, the dream imagery reflects a decidedly Mesopotamian background already familiar to us from Migdal Bavel episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, says uh, Sarna says, firstly, the words... Secondly, the imagery of this Sulam Musav Arsa Virosho Magia Hashamaima is already reminiscent of Bereshit Perik Yodalif of building some sort of tower which spirals upward. Now you appreciate why I said not ladder, but ramp. His suggestion is, and it seems somewhat clear from the text, I'm not saying this is the only way, is that the imagery to a certain extent of what Yaakov was seeing, it'll initially jar you, but then wait for it to be blunted, is he sees something along the lines of what we call a ziggurat. You look at the uh, cover of one of the books of Rabbi Sachs, you can already imagine and see what, what I'm referring to, but some sort of spiraled edifice, which was built by pagan idolatrous uh, sects, in which they imagined, through the building of that, they were building some sort of well, stairway or ramp to heaven. So Yaakov, as a result, he's suggesting, and again, not such a hard sell, it's a pretty good claim, is seeing something of that sort. It's only hard because it shatters a little bit of our imagery. It certainly uh, puts a, a strike at the art scroll book, which has a picture of this ladder going up to heaven, right? It instead gives an altogether different picture. The stairway that Jacob saw, that Jacob saw connecting heaven and earth, recalls at once the picture of the ziggurat with its external ramp linking each stage of the tower to the other. Again, you can get into the archaeology and the significance of all that. But the note that its top reached the sky, right, uh, and the identification of the site of the dream as the gateway to heaven, he calls it Sha'ar Hashamayim, that's very significant as well, is reminiscent of the stereotyped phraseology used in connection with the Babylonian temple towers. Okay, that's already, I, I, what I mean by saying is not only shattering our, our uh, elementary school pictures of it, it also is a little scary. What, what are you telling me? You're telling me Yaakov had a dream in which he hears the word of God and he's seeing a temple of, of pagan, uh, of pagan idolaters? But it differs, and I'll add the word significantly, from pagan mythology in that the stairway of Yaakov's dream is not a channel of communication between man and God. The significant difference over here is very significant. Whereas the Mesopotamian pagan idolaters had visions of, we're building this so that we can go up and hang out with God, so that we can go up and convene with God, well, that's not what happens in Yaakov's dream. The deity does not descend by it to the human realm, and man does not ascend to the divine sphere. Right In the dream of Yaakov, there's, he's not climbing up this ladder. He's not coming, and God's not coming down to him. Again, that's, that's a major difference. The chasm between the two is unbridgeable by physical means. 
uh, look at the difference over here. If anything, you took a imagery that Yaakov would have been familiar with, and you gave him an altogether different picture, which of course is what the Torah does all the time. I think, go no further than Harambam's vision of Korbanot, you took imagery and practices which are already familiar, you tweaked them, and you made them a distinctly and unique Torah HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, relationship. Because you, you, if you teach you, but then when you're giving the Torah, they know what you're talking about. It wasn't that he was moving. True as well, but I can alternatively say, you're, you're right, you're, you're 100% right. In other words, Abi says, oh, Korbanot's not a great example. Korbanot is what they were doing over here. But it's not per se that they knew what you were, it's that Yaakov recognized this, right? Well, Yaakov recognized this, but the difference, it, it, it's, it's an it's a imagery that Yaakov could relate to in the context of a relationship with God. Now, you say that's very dangerous. It's dangerous if it's the exact same style. But points out Sarna, it's not the exact same style. Whereas Ziggurats, you walked up and envisioned hanging out, having a rendezvous in a physical sense with God, lowercase g, or maybe gods, uh, over here. The marked difference is there was no such thing. He looked at it and he saw Malachi Elohim going up and down. What's the significance of using a ziggurat and not a staircase and not a ladder? It's, it's again, for Yaakov's time period, it was the way in which you envisioned a connection to, to a God. And so this is the you connection. You're part of, of the Hamzah, Because that's what, in other words, I, it's like now, a What's that? He's not. Nachum Sarna is not going to fill that out. That's what our class is going to do. Well, I know it's Elliot says. So what's the purpose of this then? Hang tight. I mean that's that's exactly that's why I'm using this as an introductory point. In other words, he leaves that open. Indeed, the background the background presence of the angels serves to highlight this fact. For the stairway is uh, is is obviously for them alone. They are merely ornamental, playing no role in the theophany. All right. In other words, his description is it says. And nothing happens with regards to those angels. Nothing happens. It's a, again, for lack of a better word, it's a God scene for Yaakov. Right? That's, that's his suggestion. And you, you took the imagery that was familiar to him in order to give him a God dream. The question in turn might be and should be Elliot's question. And that is, okay, so then what did it mean to Yaakov? I mean, he, you could have described he had a dream in which... God spoke to him. We've seen those dreams. We've seen them, we've seen them throughout Bereshit, and we'll see them later on. Why this imagery? It's almost as if the imagery is purposeful. Oh, so that's the next stage in this. But I just wanted to point out initially that the description of this sulam is purposeful for us, suggests Sarna, to realize that this dream is significant in as much as it's structuring for Yaakov a, uh, a, a connection to God, an understanding of that connection to God. It's not a hanging out with God. It's an imagery which crafts for him a vision of the untouchable nature of God, if anything. Right? So that's, that's what I'd like to take off from now. Now, Harambam discusses this sulam of Yaakov in several places and has different, both nuanced and substantive differences in each one of them. I saw Ben Akedin after this, right? And who are the people that make the Indeed. There, there are actually several others. There's a real emphasis on the rocks over here, which of course you have the, the, the creation. There, there, there was plenty. 
There is planter, I'm sure. I have talked about it and, and, and focused on the significance on more than one occasion. Again, for my purposes right now, it's more than anything just to notice that. It's so to speak, as he's describing it, the untouchable nature of God in stark contrast to everything else. You can already appreciate it's a God scene, but it's the untouchable God. It's a God scene, but altogether different than pagan idolatrous ways. Uh, so what does it mean, though? So again, Saharam Bam writes about this in several places. He writes about this in Hilchot Yesodei HaTorah. He writes about this in his introduction to Moreh Nebuchim. He writes about it in two places in Moreh Nebuchim. Uh, there's a lot to be said about each one of his discussions. In his introduction to Moreh Nebuchim, it's in a broader conversation, context, in which he's talking about Mishalim, about proverbs and parables. In other words, Haram Bam says that wise people, of course the Torah, wise God, as well as wise people, write and talk with parables for several reasons. He delineates and explains many of them. First and foremost, you can't reveal secrets to every person. Secondly, we want to develop your understanding of it. We want you to experience it in order to figure out what's going on and get to it and several other reasons he delineates. And as a result, he's introducing his book and saying, I'm going to write that way as well. He writes in that conversation, there are different types of parables, different types of mishalim. There's a mashal that all the details are significant, and there's a mashal where just the overarching picture and message is the significant part. For the overarching message that's significant, he talks about one of the mizmorim uh, in one of the perakim in Mishle, one of the famous, uh, the bad woman, uh, I think it's Perekaf Aleph. For the mashal, where every detail is significant, he points to Sulam Yaakov. Now, he doesn't tell you what it all means, but he says literally every single detail is significant. The angels going up and down, significant. The bottom on the floor, significant. The top in the heavens, significant. The God, Nitzavalav, significant. That's what he writes in the introduction. Then, he doesn't explain it over there. Does he explain what it's a mashal for in general? Not over there. Zero. No. And then he's got seemingly two conflicting approaches to this in the Moreh, which I'd like to focus on one of them. So that's, uh, that's, that's our introductory remarks to reading here, Chaylek Aleph, Perek Tet Vav. Bam again begins this Perek, again, and, and what I want us to be thinking about is how this Sulam imagery is almost about seeing and feeling in contrast to, that's why I like uh, Sarna very much, in contrast to other religions, other sects, other rites in which you're hanging out with God, you're bringing him down to you, or you're going up and being with him. Over here, it's that God's presence in some way is there, but it's unbridgeable. You can't get there in some respect. Okay, Nitzav Yatzav, even though Nitzav and Yatzav are two different roots, one is a Nun, the other one's a Yod, uh, they truly, they actually have a, a similar, if not identical, meaning. Shem zem meshutaf. Yeshehu b'mashma'ut shel amida zikufa v'tetatzav achoto merachok yitiasefu malche eretz yaseu nitzavim. One interpretation of these words, nitzav and yatzav, is amida zikufa, which means straight standing. A uh, 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 board back, uh, you know, a board like back. What's that? Like a pillar. Like a pillar standing up. is Miriam looking at Moshe. She stood strong, watching him. 
Yatsu'u Nisavim is a reference to Nadav and Avihu. They come out standing straight in Adat Korah. So that's, you know, that's the way very often you'd imagine. Liyot Nitzav means to be standing up straight like an army soldier. Yeshu Bemashma'ut, sometimes alternatively, and again it has two meanings, Shel Kivi'ut Vehatmada. Doesn't mean anything about a physical posture or standing. It rather has something to do with permanence and constancy. God, your word is standing in heaven. No, it's constant. It's permanent in heavens. Again, define accordingly what that means. But that's what, at the very least, you can appreciate the word nitzav as not a physical posture. No, the opposite. There's two meanings to nitzav and yatzav. One meaning is the posture. That's datan naviram. That's miriam. The other meaning is permanence and constancy. What's the example for that so far? You follow? So in other words, what we're going to be moving toward is, well, what in our class, what does it mean? Well, it could either mean he's physically standing up there. It can alternatively mean it represents in some respect God's permanent and constant presence above well, something, right? Well, Yaakov, or if the Sulam represents something more, we'll have to figure that out. Okay, so say Kilomar, Kavua Umatmit. What does it mean that God's word is Nisab Bashamayim? It's constant. It is permanent. Again, this both Kabbalistic, but even Harambam has alluded words to this. Something about the words of God, quote unquote, being the bedrock and source of existence. Bidvar Adonai Shamaim Naasu, and so on and so forth. Okay, longer, important conversation to be had. Kol Mishem Anytime you have Nitzav or Yatzav in the context of Bore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it'll always mean constancy or permanence because God has no physicality. So he doesn't have a straightness and he doesn't have a presence in a physical sense, which again is what... There we are. Now, if it was just that reference, we wouldn't have much of a class. But Harambam will continue and help us understand the whole scene. That's what I meant by a digression. He won't just stick to Nitzav and Yatzav. It was a full picture of what was going on, at least in his mind, in this halom, this dream, this nevuah of Yaakov. Kavua, matmid alav, kilomar. Al hasulam, God's permanent and constant presence on this ramp. harishon aharon al haaretz. One of its edges was in the heavens. The other was on the ground. Do you notice anything strange about that line of Harambam? It's the reverse of the Pasuk. The Pasuk says it's uh, on the ground. Harambam reversed that already. Interesting. Okay, it's important to... It doesn't reach the heavens, it's going toward the heavens. Is that so? Magia Hashamayma means it doesn't reach all the way up until? I don't know. Ubo metapes veole on a ramp of this sort you would be climbing and ascending. Kol mishe anyone who'd be going up it, adshu masig behechreach et mishe alav until you um, are able to grasp he who is permanent at the top of it. 
So it's giving us some sort of prophetic vision of Yaakov or anyone else climbing up this ramp, ladder if it's easier for you, until you grasp, obviously not physically, God's permanent nature. After all, God is permanent and constant at the top of this ramp. When I say that God, and the Pasuk says, is at the top of the ramp, uh, it's for the mashal, for the parable, is that it's not the top of any ramp. Okay, so you've helped us with a little. You described some sort of imagery, some sort of scene where Yaakov and we imagine God's permanent and constant presence and existence, and in achieving a grasp of that intellectually, uh, we have to climb up the rungs of understanding. We start low and we make our way up. Uh, that's what Harambam has thus far described. He hasn't defined for us the Malachi Elohim, don't forget, as I told you in his introduction, he said every detail needs to be accounted for in this one. That's the type of machal it is, for whatever reason he understands it that way. I will just parenthetically point out, Jacob mentioned to me beforehand, that Abar Benel questions anything that Harambam's writing over here. Harambam's writing about this being some sort of imagery about uh, achieving wisdom, understanding godliness. Abar Benel says, what's that doing over here in Yaakov's life? Why is he having a dream as he left home about the achievement of intellect, about the achievement of God understanding? Whereas Rashi, for example, will tell us that it's a reference to the exile in the life of Yaakov. Oh, that I understand. He came from Be'er Shava. He's on his way, and he's stopping on the way to exile. I understand it. Why would Asabar Benel on Harambam, why would this be taking place here? For me, it's not so difficult. Keep in mind, this is Yaakov Avinus, as the Torah tells us, first step into independent selfhood. And as a result, what is independent selfhood, if not an achievement of getting closer to an intellectual understanding and connection to God? So in his first encounter, so to speak, as an independent being outside of dad's home, Yaakov has this imagery, has this dream, has this prophecy in which, well, Yaakov, if you want to establish this with me, start climbing up the rungs of this ladder. But he's not climbing it. Who is? Malachi Elohim. That doesn't really help us all that much in understanding. If the whole imagery is about you and me being able to climb, why are there angels climbing? Says, what's that? Well, Harambam will go even further. Indeed, Abi says, Malachi Elohim might just be the helpers. It might be the intermediaries in the achievement of. Says Harambam, Malachi Elohim hem nevi'im. He will bring several proofs that sometimes the Pasuk refers to Malachi Elohim as prophets, people. So the imagery in turn for Harambam is there are prophets ascending. That makes a lot of sense for his story, for his imagery, right? It means that if you want to achieve prophecy, the highest level in Harambam's eyes of an intellectual comprehension and apprehension of God, well, you need to climb up these rungs. So who's climbing up the rungs? Of course it's angels. There'll be one... Uh, of course it's angels, which are prophets. Oh, yeah, um, getting his dream before he's reached that status. That's right. So he's receiving the dwell before he's climbing up the ladder. Before, uh, or, or maybe he's beginning it. He doesn't have full understanding yet, per se, of God. Mm -hmm. How, what's his proof that Malachi Elohim, parenthetically, before we deal with one other issue, uh, means uh, prophets? 
Asher ne'emar alehem bebirur, he says, after all the Pasuk says in Sefer Bemidbar, Vayishlach Malach. Pasuk says that God sent a Malach to take us out of Egypt. And the understanding of Harambam, as it is of others, is that's a reference to Moshe. You could have understood that Pasuk is an actual actual angel. After all, as we left Egypt, there is Pasuk about the angel going before and in front of us. The understanding is that that's Moshe. Furthermore, Vaya'al Malach Adonai min HaGilgal El HaBochim in Shofetim, which is a reference, the footnote tells us from Targum Yonatan and Rashi to Pinehas. So it's a reference of Malach to Pinehas, a prophet. The truth is the Pasuk in Malachi that's often cited is um, that if Torah Yevakshu Mipihu is the Pasuk and says, Im Malach Adonai Svaotu, Torah Yevakshu Mipihu. I forgot the exact Lashon, the Pasuk in the Dirashav, the rabbis, Masechet Hagigai, if your rabbi is like a Malach Elohim, if you're meant to say, then you should be seeking Torah from him. In other words, the reference to in Divre Torah and Nivim and Ketubim of Malach isn't per se, isn't per se a malach in the metaphysical sense, but a human being who is intermediary for all intents and purposes between heaven and us, between heaven and world. Okay, so the, go ahead. So we're doing away with the idea that we established in the beginning that this very image is to separate Yaakov's understanding of what a ziggurat is away from me now. No, no, no. I'm very, I'm very much staying with it because I'm suggesting the following already with Harambam. The imagery of ziggurat is perfect. I'm sorry to say it like that. It's an imagery for Yaakov of ascension to God. However, ascension to God in Torah, in true life, is very different than the pagan idolatrous vision of ascension to God. Whereas for them, build a structure, climb up, and hang out, put your arm around him, slaughter some things and eat some blood or something of that sort. For Torah, it's alternatively, let's climb up rungs. Let's realize that God is ever present at the top of it. The more you understand, the closer you'll come to it. But yes, you're not touching it. Yes, you're not hanging out with him in a physical sense. So the imagery I think is purposeful and it very much complements what Harambam is saying. The only lingering issue here is, why are the angels coming back down? They're going up, why come back down? If this is all about the ascension, about the climb to better understanding, why are they coming back down? Mamoshilim, or mushalim rather, dabero olim viyoredim. So Harambam is preempting that question. What is that? Excuse me, mamushlam dabero or devaro olim viyoredim. What's the complete understanding of that? Ha'aliyah. He says, it's very complete in making my point, says Harambam. Why does it say they're going up and coming down? If it's angels, they're coming down, we'd imagine, and then going up. He says, the aliyah ki ahareha aliyah, the el shelav yadua shel hasulam, as a person makes their way up, listen to his words over here, the rungs of that ladder or ramp, tavo ha the only reason you're coming back down is to become a leader. You're a prophet, that's not for yourself. You have to spread that to others. Fundamentally, this, this sulam, and I go back to the diuk we made earlier, is facing upward. It happens to be on the ground, but it's facing upward. 
you're ascending, you're climbing, you're finding godliness, you're understanding more about the world, starting at the bottom. The more you climb, the more you understand about God, you get closer and closer. And as you go up, though, says Harambam, the imagery is, there's now a certain understanding of responsibility. Come down and spread the wisdom. You're not just acquiring it for yourself, you're coming down to teach it to others. Davar ze machnis b'shem yerida. That's considered coming down, so to speak, to the real world, speaking to real people. And then he says, Then I'll come back to our issue, which our issue we almost forgot was, what does Nitzav, what does Yatzav mean? God's presence at the top is a reference to his ever-present, permanent nature, as opposed to Amida Zikufa, a straight-natured back of body, as well, isn't that interesting? He says that's what it means as well with Moshe, that's Parashat Kitisa, remember that Pasuk? That's Pasuk where Moshe requests of God, show me your glory, God says to him, which the simple interpretation is, stand on the rock, it's not about standing, it's about prophecy. It's about be with me, so to speak, in a present or ever-present or permanent way. I'll convene with you in a real fashion. After all, God afterwards says, I'm going to stand at that rock. So standing and nitzav, neither one of them in that context means actual physical standing, but rather presence in the permanent sense. Okay, well, that all being the case, here's the summary of Harambam and what I'd like to take out of it by contrasting it to another a great Torah thinker, much more, contempt, much more, much more closer to our time. Uh, but it goes like this. For Harambam, in understanding what this imagery, what this dream of Yaakov was really all about, contrary to a Rashi kind of fitting the story easily imagery of, I'm going to protect you, which God does say, and you can understand there's going to be some sort of connection between exile and Eretz Yisrael, etc. That's not what it is for Harambam. For Harambam, it is, and I say now, not at all surprisingly so, it's all about greatness and growth in terms of intellect. That's what we've learned about in More Nebuchim time and again. Matters of essence in this world for Harambam don't exist. It's all about ascending, not physically. It's all about ascending intellectually. After all, from the very beginning, the first two chapters, what is it that Adam Harishon ran from and what are we in turn running to? He ran from a perfect understanding, a life of emet and sheker into a physical world of lust, desire, physicality, of tov and ra. What are we seeking and searching in life? A return to the pristine, to the absolute emet and sheker. That Fahrambam consistent throughout. It's a point we've made over the course of the last year and a half or so. Every time Harambam has the opportunity to dispel 
of a notion of there being something of essence in this world. There's true sanctity in that place. No such thing, says Harambam. The sanctity is the perception of God. What's the sanctity of the land of Israel? That it's a place you can perceive of God easier. Why? Because the air is just so beautiful. No, no, no. That means there's less disturbances there. You can connect to God better. Uh, Torah, every single thing that Harambam touched, and we did spend a lot of time on this, with regards to essence of Kiddushah, essence of Tahara, no such thing. For Harambam, it's all a conduit. It's all a mechanism to achieving an intellectual higher level capacity. In turn, this story fits neatly and perfectly into that. If you're seeking and searching for your purpose in a connection to God while living in this world, understand it as focused in one direction, upward. Why would you come down? Only to talk to other people. What I mean by that is for Harambam, it's not so much or it's not at all about applying this in the here and now physical, run from the here and now physical. Or just climb that ladder. For Harambam, as a result, um, as we've explained in several contexts, something like a, uh, a, a sexual desire, but leave desire aside, a sexual engagement needs to be diminished as much as possible. For Harambam, almost an ascetic lifestyle is what we're seeking, because for Harambam, it's all about the intellectual. That's in stark contrast to many of the Ramban, Nahmani, and Kuzari visions and perspectives we've seen and discussed, where for them, well, yes, I've achieved this, now let me find this within, so to speak, this world. For Harambam, the Sulam, as a result, is all going upward. That's his focus. Why would it come down? Just to spread the wealth. You're not coming down. You'll come down in order to teach it to some others. But make certain that you're climbing up that. Be searching and seeking for the top of that at all times. That's the point I'd like to make from Harambam. Yeah. So what's the message to Yaakov? Because it seems, based on his interpretation, Yaakov completely misses the boat. Because what does he do? He goes to Haran and he spends the entire time in the physical world. He gets married, he has kids, and he accumulates wealth. He does nothing, quote-unquote... First and foremost, I I hear what you say. First and uh, foremost, it's not a question on what's the message. You're you're questioning how does he fulfill it. uh, right. Second, no, but I don't, but I don't think so. But I, but I don't think so. I'll tell you why I don't think so because I do think his words at the conclusion are, are right. He's, 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 he's gone to the Okay, he's gone to the but I heard it's hard to okay, in and of itself, making the deal. But but what I hear you. It's, a, it's an interesting question, just anyway. Uh, it's an important question anyway. My point on it though is that it's about return. What does he say? He says, and then I'll return to here. Right? The words of Yaakov are so what I'm No, but let me explain to you what I'm suggesting. It means I'm suggesting. Harambam, to the best of my knowledge, doesn't address this. I'm suggesting I need to start on the ladder at the bottom. It is a ladder. It is a ramp. You can't skip rungs. You can't jump to the top. So I need to start on the bottom. And for Harambam, I need to start by looking at this world. He writes about this in many places. I need to understand this world. No, but give me straight Ma'aseh Merkava. No, no, you need to understand Ma'aseh Bereshit first. You need to understand this world, right? In other words, so maybe, maybe the description is, says Yaakov, you know what I'm going to do? I'm now going to go out. It is Sha'ad Hashem. I can't jump into Sha'ad Hashem. I need to start out in this world. 
However, I want to be clear, God, that I'm going to be back here. And when I come back here, I'll jump into Sha'ar HaShamayim. Right? In other words, uh, that's, that's what I'm suggesting. It's V'shavti b'shalom el betavi. V'haya Adonai li'lelohim. He doesn't just he doesn't just go. He goes with a stipulation. If you're with me, mm-hmm. I'm coming back. In other words, what I'm suggesting is if I start so off not, on these I'm first few, so, okay. I'm gonna make my way up higher. I'm suggesting. I'm not 100 percent certain. It's a great question more than anything. But listen, it's a question on the motive of Yaakov in general. It's gonna be a question on Rashi's interpretation of the Halom as well. The land and he's shalem, he's shalem when he comes to Yishim, so he's complete, he's finished, he's done, it's almost as if he, he, or he feels, at least that's what I'm making a point, he accomplished all of it already. He's hit the top, bro. Has he hit the top, or he's uh, established uh, the first many ones? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, it's, it's, when it's, when it's, can you say he establishes this? When does he climb the I don't think road? anyone does. And that, that was why I started the imagery. You, you never get there. Uh, that, that's very clear. You'll never fully get to the top of it. I mean, if you got to the top of it, you hit Emet and Sheikh, and it's over. I mean, that's right. Another, no, I mean... Now, the contrast in terms of this conversation, again, would be the other type of vision. We've been, we've been building this divide throughout our conversation of Morena Bukhim. That's Arambam's vision. And then there's the other side of this. And generally speaking, what we've said time and again, there's even been when Sammy's here, there's always a conversation, there's always a fight, and Sammy always says to them, that's why there are, always, there are other opinions. And there's always someone who this Harambam approach, it's a little elitist, it seems a little too intellectual, people get very banged up about it. Sammy always points out, he says, that's why there are other approaches. Jump with the other approach, understand it. So there is, yet again, another approach, many, but among them, from this book called Nefesh HaHayim. Nefesh HaHayim is a book written by, the name was Rabbi Hayim of Velazhin. I gave, over the course of some years, classes on, on Nefesh HaHayim. It's broken into four She'arim, four gates, and um, this is from Sha'ar Aleph, Perik Yotet, from the first gate in the 19th chapter. Behaim of was a student of Gaon Mivilna, the prized and top student of Gaon Mivilna. He passed away, if I'm not mistaken, in 1821. He's most famous for establishing the Velazhin Yeshiva, Yeshivat Etz Hayim, known as, in the Ashkenazic world at least, the first yeshiva of that nature, the yeshivot that we know. Until then, it was a little bit more like each city had a place where you could congregate and study. This was a study hall established for students from all places to come to and study in. And his book, in turn, is interestingly crafted as an understanding of our approach. It's in contrast to Hasidic approach and vision, which is very much relevant in his time period. It's furthermore the vision of what do we do as Bnei Yeshiva, as Lomde Torah. Much of the first Sha'ar is focused on understanding how the actions of a person reverberate above and beyond their own uh, four cubits. Uh, the actions of a person, and, and of course the, the, the ramifications of this for him are, anytime you study Torah, well you should know it has a, a cosmic effect. That's his vision of this. It's a, it's a very Kabbalistic vision. It's a very Kabbalistic vision of what tikkun olam means. Whereas someone like Harambam, for example, would say, what is the, I don't know if he would use those words, but what, what does it mean to be metaken olam? It means to better society. Uh, for a Kabbalist, they'd say there are metaphysical, cosmic changes through actions and study, etc. Now, it also empowers human beings. You know, you, you might say, especially in the current climate, you might say, oh my goodness, it takes me away from being involved in this world. Well, just study Torah, and that's what's good. 
there is that danger in saying this, this will cloister me away from all else. It, on the flip side, Rabbi Soloveitchik, for example, wrote a book called Halachic Man. And in it, he focuses a lot, he even quotes from Nefesh HaHayim, with an altogether different perspective as to what this means than what I just described. It gives human beings more power. I'm creative. I can create reality. That's right. It means my actions are significant. It means me as a person, I'm a true partner with God. I'm not just uh, seeking, you know, so to speak, in the Harambam vision, trying to get up that ladder. And with this, I arrive at his words. I'm also, I'm also living in this world, and things that came down the ladder are affecting me. It means, if you'll read it together with me, the direction of the ladder for Harambam fundamentally, I noticed this a few years ago, is a vector, is an arrow pointing upward, right? The only reason you're coming down is to spread what you got up there. You're focused only upward. Listen to Hanefesh HaHayim. It's very much not so going upward. This is the Pasuk doesn't say that it's Musav on the ground. It says it's Musav to the ground. Isn't that interesting? Umashma'o, and I'm going to briefly touch on his Kabbalistic references over here. Shirosh ikar shosho now, if you don't understand the specifics, especially in the next few lines, that's okay. But you get the general statement over here. His statement is, it starts in the heavens and is mishtalshel v'yored, and it then gets spread out until it comes down to the ground. It's literally the opposite direction and focus of the Harambam. Harambam's focus is it's going upward. and just coming down to spread it. Over here, it's coming from up funneling down to here. I'll define these terms in just a moment, briefly. Let me remind you again, just pay attention to the last few words. It ends with Gufa Adam. For Harambam, this whole imagery ends with Oh, getting out of Gufa Adam, the body of a person. What are the specific references? Just important to know in general, important to know for life, psychologically, Kabbalistically. There's a, the the Mekubalim will often break up spiritual existence into three domains. Neshama, Ruach, and Nefesh. All words which seem to be interchangeable in the Torah. They represent different things for the Kabbalists. Neshama is our intellectual capacity. It's the highest we can come in terms of achieving a connection in a true sense to God. Ruach is the intermediary, is through our speech, generally speaking, we define Ruach as. And then lastly, Nefesh is our bodily, true, so to speak, function as human beings. That's right, the kishkas, the, uh, the liver, right? So in other words, as uh, Thoreau would be very proud of you for that one. Anyway, but... Uh, well, Anyway, but what I'm, what I'm uh, specifically referring to in this context is he broke it down for us. He said it funneled down from nishmat hayim, so to speak, from the intellectual domain, through the ruach, through like the speech, the intermediary, into the nefesh, into the gufa adam. Because for nefesh hayim, that's the focus. The focus is not one in which life could and should be singularly focused on that ascension to the only intellectual. It's quite 
either the opposite or at the very least a very different perspective in which my intellectual, my God perceptions should affect who I am in this world. So the Yirida is to a certain extent the outcome of the dream for Nefesh Ahayim. Interestingly, what's, 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 what's coming from Shaman Yadriyu? No, it's a spiritual connection defined accordingly. In other words, it's... I can't tell you fully. I can tell you it probably includes an emotional dimension as well, but it's intellectual, no doubt. It's a connectedness to God defined accordingly through understanding and through feeling, but again, it channels through because it makes its way into your body, which is now affected through anything and everything you do in this world. In other words, yeah, go ahead. You reach that intellectual point, and then that's it. You, you just stay in that thing. You know, he needs to make you a bad person, make it, make life on the earth a better person. So I don't think he would just say that that's the ultimate. It's an important conversation to be had. However, in my opinion, it's not that you're going to avoid all of life. But I'll give you for example, you know, for Harambam, our lives are. It's the way I often say it is, at least in my mind the goof is only a conduit for the sechel, for harambam. Our physical is only to, uh, we're supposed to erase it as much as possible in order to refine our thought. Nivuah, uh, to a certain extent, nivuah is the highest caliber for harambam, and that's a state of being where my body is not impeding me at all. Nobody will deny that nivuah could and should be that, that arrival. But for someone like Nefesh Ha'ayim, someone like Ramban Nahmani, it's interesting, almost a, a very similar passage is in the Kute Amarim of the Baal Hatanya, you know, the, uh, the arch nemesis to a certain extent of Nefesh Ha'ayim. Uh, that's the, uh, the, father of, uh, the father of Lubavitch Hasidut and many similar things. He has a similar description. You, you expect something like that from Hasidim, don't yeah. you? Where they have a vision of Avodah, the Gashmiut, and you're going to have a similar description of this as well. So A.B. feels I'm going a little too far in Harambam, at the very least in terms of the direction, at the very least in terms of the focus. Whereas for Nefesh Ahayim on a Ramban Nahmani Kabbalistic type of vision, the end game could and should perhaps be in this world. There is essence in this world. There are sanctified things in this world. I can find in this world positive in a full sense and in a real way that's, that's significant uh, in finding God over here. Uh, for Harambam, not so much so. You can find tricks within this world so that your mind is freed up. Move to Israel, live there, build a government that frees you up from any of the disturbances. Of course, the, the irony is that living in Israel, you know, historically is anything but that. But if it's done right, so to speak, you're living in a place where you don't have shibud malchuyot, you can focus more on God. Ramban Nachmanin, no. You can live in the land and you can experience a physical life which is endowed with and imbued through a spiritual, uh, spiritual connectedness there in the physical sense. Go ahead. Neither of them see the Sulam as a bi-directional vehicle, up and down. I think it has that, to be one focus. I think that Nefesh Ahayim would be closer to it, even though he doesn't really write that over here, but he does throughout his book talk about how Nefesh Ruach and Neshama uh, have this way of going up and down. So he very much, he might even explicitly elsewhere say, but, uh, give me one second on that. It's, it's not only is not the focus, it's, 
It's not true. For Haram Bab, you're only coming down to spread it. That's it. Just so you help out society. So not for yourself. But for Nefesh Ahayim, for the Mekubalim, they do have a, they do have a certain spiral in terms, or, or um, uh, what's the word, a, uh, a cyclical nature with regards to Nefesh Ruach and Neshama. You're always going up and coming down. And it's a constant, uh, you know, a constant cycle in that respect. If we wanted to apply this concept to, let's say, the truth of Allah that we've talked about. Sure. It's, it's, it's so two-directional. It's up to come back down to then be here. But it's right. all, it all has to then be sourced from up there. Right. Uh, I, I do agree with you. I think an Aristotelian Harambam vision is very different than that. Uh, a Harambam vision in this respect is very much different than such a vision. There is not, you're not going to find an essence in mitzvot, in halakha. You're going to find halakha as a vehicle and a mechanism to A, build a better society, uh, B, refine your character, C, make your understanding of God enhanced. That's it. Nothing more and nothing less. He's mentioning the truth of of halakha, where uh, you have, I think, Hamim has the concept of Lord of Shemayim. Sounds like according to Hamim, everything's in Shemayim. Right, so we have means sort of separated and said, no, we actually have so, the power. It's not in Shalom. Right. So, so, so there's... Yeah, I, the, but even, even so, in other words, he'll just articulate it differently than the way you just said it. He'll say, Halakha is given to... We, caught, we had a conversation about this in Ayin Tahatayin when we talked about that last year, but Halakha is given to the interpretation of the Hachmeh Hador, of the scholars of the generation, defined accordingly, to determine, well, what's the intent in that pasuk so that it affects the people best? Listen to it again. I need to, it's, it's, it's a little hard to say these words, because Haram Bam seems to almost explicitly tell you, he hints it to us. I need to, as the scholar of the generation, read the Torah, understand the people, and apply it accordingly. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying that the mitzvah is not a matter of essence. It's a matter of how it's going to affect the people. If me as a human being... So so you can change halakha. If the people need the opposite version of the halakha, because that will most bring them close. Now, I know know the danger, and we discussed the danger. That's what he would say. He, He almost explicitly does so. We discussed it at a greater length in the Ayin Tahatayim class. Ayin Tahatayim for Harambam seems to be... It once was interpreted and even meant mamash in the Torah, mamash. Over the course of time, as society and humanity developed, we changed it so that that's a vision that someone like Harambam could have, philosophically speaking. After all, mitzvot are purpose to affect the people. God empowers you, not you, the hachamim, and you know, shebechol dovador, apply, you know, define accordingly. To define what that is. No question. The danger. And that's why he's very careful in never saying it absolutely explicitly. Someone like Ramban Nahmani, people in today's day and age, when they hear that just recently, three, four years ago, there was a true thinker, scholar in Israel who's talked like this, got killed. Now, the people who killed him, I believe, understood the words of Harambam in the Moreh, the way he was teaching them. But they felt there's an inherent danger in talking like this. I understand that. As Sammy uh, would, would remind us, that's why we have all the other approaches. But again, so the, the response again to the Loba Shamaimi, to the truth of Halakha type of conversation, Farambam, that's exactly the point. You're assuming that, you're assuming that, you're assuming the other way, you're assuming that 
that Lov HaShemayim, he means the essence is in turn determined by you with the stamp approved by God. No, not so much so. It's that the mitzvot are purpose to be effective for the people, says Harambam. And that's in turn going to be the interpretation. Whereas the other camp sees it all together differently. They see a certain essence in actions we do in this world. They see a certain essence in the physical nature of this world. It's not all just about achieving a and shaker. It's about, uh, you know, that real world experience, says Nefesh Ahayim and many others. Yeah, Elliot. Right, because if Hanawa is going to say that studying Kamutarized is not a vehicle to connect. No, it's entirely for Harambam. It's, it's at the top of it. For Harambam, it's the Yaakov experience. Go to Beit Lavan. Deal with that. See if you can find me there. Work on that. One rung after another. And then, and he writes this in several places, Torah will give you the full clarity. I mean, if you do it I'll right. I'll break it down a little bit further. I'm gonna, I'll say, going into sources on what is the Halakha say versus just doing it. Just going back Indeed. To the line so, and, and with this, for like now, I'll stop the conversation. Uh, no, 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 just for now. No, no, I'm, we, it's all. I, I even, in the last, uh, the last, uh, what do you call it, cycle of Morena Vuchim class, I think it was one of my last classes where I talked about this. You might recall Harambam's perspective in Mishneh Torah. It's very different than no, it is in Morena Vuchim. Mishneh Torah is. Don't spend all that time on the back and forth in halakha. Hit the bottom line. Do. That's the purpose of halakha in his eyes. Morena Vuchin is anything but that. Remember what we said earlier in the class. It's all about the mashal. It's all about breaking it down. It's all about the journey. It's all about the rungs that you're going up and coming down. It's a very different perspective. But indeed, for Harambam, there is much less inherent value in the determination of the halakha and the development of it. Now, it's not contradicting, it's not contradicting per se, because I will tell you that he will, obvious, I think, obviously state that if you learn the halakha through the right vantage point, that I'm searching for ideals and ethics and morals through halakha, then you're doing it right. But... If your study of halakha, whereas Ramban and Nefesh HaHayim will certainly disagree, if your study of halakha is, is this etrog kosher or not, the shitav A is yes and the shitav B is no, and it ends at that, for Harambam you wasted your time. Just do the bottom line. For Harambam, that is the that would be the the that would be the. Any person walks in says I don't find any meaning in this, just walks away. So Harambam would say just just study the bottom line then. And find meaning somewhere else. But and find meaning from what ends. He wrote as a, the final cover. He just uses book. Correct. I'm explaining the film. There's no value in it. Correct. There could be a value, but Harambam's words are, but you get confused in the back and forth. I'm going to give you the final book. Right. Now, he's not going to say, again, what A.B. said, that was, my, that was my apology a moment ago, he's not going to say that you can't do this right, not going to say the rabbi's wasted your time, he's going to say, it's going to be hard to parse that out, you're not always going to find values in it, so start with, just got the bottom line, read Moreh Nebuchim, and you'll figure out how to think properly and make that sort of connection. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I, I, I at the time, I gave a full class on this in which what I, what I, my punchline on it was, as I just said, but what I developed and pointed out is Harambam's introduction to the Moreh is so vastly different than his introduction to Mishneh Torah. In the Moreh, it's all about, so to speak, the journey. In the Mishneh Torah, it's all about the final line. Why so? Because for him, you're saying your study of Talmud is not. 
He's saying your study of Talmud, if it's not finding value, is a waste of time. Your study of Talmud instead should just be Mishneh Torah. But I'm only if you're not finding the value. If you're finding the value, he says to so go for it. And it's really what he tells you he's doing in Mishnah Torah to a certain extent. Absolutely. Nefesh Ahayim, Ramban Nachmani, all of our Mikubalim would say otherwise, as I told you. That's the line. You have many people yeah, yeah, to depend on yeah. Harambam's vision as a staunch, intellectual, seeker, elitist in that respect. Not so, so many over the course of the years. And you can understand why. And you can understand why. There are several. All right, Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen, Amen.